0: Hello everyone, I'm Ryan Burnham and I'm Cindy Halstead and welcome to the first season of the We Want More podcast. We want to bring you real conversations, meditations, and share a little bit of the history of We Want More. We look forward to growing and learning in this beginning season with you. Thank you for joining us. episode, I get the chance to interview Laura Flug for the second time. We heard her story of awakening in the previous podcast. This conversation is all about her passion and purpose she found through art. We hope this inspires you to believe in the gifts God's given you to enjoy and glorify Him. This is Ryan with We Want More. Welcome to our podcast. I have Laura Flug, the famous artist and dear friend in the studio with me. Say hi, Laura. Hi. And we're going to be talking about her journey with art. And I mean, now she's impacted so many with what she does, but it really started kind of in her childhood and up to the present. I want to capture really what God has done in her life, both in the process of art, but also through her art, how she's been able to touch people and impact the world around her. So Laura, can you give us, starting from early days, like before you started really publicly painting, what was art to you? What was that relationship like? When, when did it play a role in your life?
1: I think as a very small child, I was always artistic and creative. And my parents indulged me with art lessons and art camps. And I took a lot of art throughout school. And then when it came time to go to college, I was terrified of failing at something that I loved mm-hmm. and also did not really have a lot of self-worth at that point and kind of a low self-esteem. So I I just didn't think it was a safe major to do art, unfortunately. So I ended up majoring in um, communications instead, but... I always dabbled and it was a huge part of you know my life growing up and something that I always wanted to do more of and then ended up getting married out of college had my kids right away and started doing art with them so Mm -hmm. Chloe from you know 18 months old we were doing art together so it's always been something that's been a part of our home life Mm -hmm. doing art crafts stamping whatever the thing was I was doing it so I would say It really wasn't an individual hobby until my kids were old enough to be gone at school all day. And Chloe was about seven years old when I first started taking lessons at a school in London. We lived overseas at the time, and she wanted to go to art school. And I met the director of this independent school in London, and she said, well, we have adult classes too. Why don't you come while they're in school? And I thought, well, that could be fun. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning of reawakening the art the artist within me, but on a very higher level mm. um and dealing with real materials and real art supplies in a really sort of professional space, and so I was able to do that for about five years, three days a week. It was my outlet it was kind of really what pulled me through a depressive kind of phase when I was living over there. I was really struggling personally and I just believe that it was a gift to reengage that part of myself and and go deeper. Um, So every material possible that I could get my hands on, I was taking classes, doing different things. Uh, But I wasn't painting like the kind of paintings you know me for now, I was doing everything but that. So it started out really building a foundation of all of these other skills and things that all led to a good foundation for what I'm doing, but um, I was still kind of scared. I would go to these art fairs when we were on vacation and I'd see these huge canvases and I would dream someday I'm going to paint on a big canvas like that and just be free and abstract and do whatever I want. But I was so scared of stepping into that that it was a long time before I uh, before I got to that point
0: I love I mean I, I love hearing how God begins to put things in our heart, put things in our lives that he's going to use. In the years to come. So we have captured your story on another podcast. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear Laura's awakening story, you can uh, tap into the her other podcast with us. But what I want to focus in on is, you know, in this process of awakening, you know, you came to a We Want More retreat mm-hmm. and we captured that whole story. As you came awake and came alive, what from that point, what then happened in the art world for you?
1: Well, it was interesting because at that time, I had a studio in my home and I was painting privately. Um, I remember the first time Cindy came into my studio and just erupted with excitement over, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is what you do. And I really hadn't shared it with anyone. I had artwork hanging around my own home, but it wasn't something that I was confident to share publicly. I wasn't on social media or anything like that. It was a very private hobby. And you know of course i was afraid of rejection and criticism and all the things that go with with having a low self-esteem and so as i started to get more involved at we want more and doing these retreats where we kept talking about identity and who you are in christ and who did god create you to be he kept taking me back to memories of when i was young Mm -hmm. and i created with freedom Uh and i kept thinking about what would that look like now and i remember cindy encouraging me Laura, we got to share this with people. This is amazing. I'm like, "Eh, no, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of my thing what I do. And it came to a point where we were trying something new on a retreat. And it was, I had come in the fall of 2012. It was the following winter, it was February of 2013, where we were piloting another experience where she wanted to have an extended worship time the second night. And she said, would you be willing to paint while we had music blaring and women could just sort of lay around the worship room soaking up in, You know just relaxation and just kind of being there and you know you just do your thing and they can just watch you and i was like oh my god that sounds terrifying (laughs) and i remember being equally super excited and intrigued but equally afraid of what if i paint total crap i don't want to create garbage in front of people and the pressure of having to finish something in that amount of time and you know i've never had anybody watch me paint ever except my two dogs and my kids you know (laughs) so it was um it was it took me some time. She let me think about it for a while and I really had to pray about it and then, you know, took a step of faith and said, well, with a few caveats, I will agree to do it if I don't have to finish it, if I can stop when I'm tired or if I can tell everybody this is just a base layer, I'm going to keep working on this if, if it comes to, you know, where I just don't want to keep going, if it's going in a bad direction or something and she said whatever you want total freedom we'll just trust the lord in this and cindy was so positive as she always is that it's it's hard to to not you know take some of that in because she's very infectious when she gets excited about something so i remember setting up the first night and i was praying before the retreat started i'm like i use a lot of different textural materials in my work and in the past i tended to use a lot of Japanese paper, which I I have quite a collection at home if you've been to my house. But um, I ended up really kind of setting the stage of how I wanted to start, because I didn't want to just start blank. I was really nervous about where I was going to go with this piece. And so I spent some time praying. I'm like, Lord, I have this pile of papers. And I just remember, would you just lead me to choose? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm going through the papers and pulling, I ended up gluing some pieces that I'd ripped in different spots on the canvas. And that's what I took with me to the Moore house. So when I set up that night, I had everything you know, downstairs and nobody had come down yet. And Candace Blomley, a dear friend, um, who I had just met that first time that weekend, had come downstairs first and mm-hmm. saw the canvas there with these papers on it and it took her back. Mm-hmm. And she was startled thinking, what is that on there? And come to find out later, they were the exact colors and patterns of a quilt that she had spent millions of hours making a long time ago when she was young and ended up cutting up into pieces because she felt like it was no good. And it it was just part of her healing story of just what God was doing there. But I ended up choosing something that represented this quilt that God was going to bring healing to her through this painting. And so as I'm down there working and, you know, the music is going, I am so into it. And I just feel... Like, it was the first time I really felt like the finger of God being on me in the sense of like he was painting with me yeah. and just the Holy Spirit kind of guiding me. And I felt more free than I thought was possible with all these women watching me. And, but I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about what am I making? And I was worshiping. And I, it was at that moment that. I just remember thinking, "Oh my God, maybe this is part of my purpose now. Maybe mm-hmm. this is part of what God created me to do. Do, do I really get to share this with people? Mm-hmm. This gift that I thought was just sort of a a hobby that was fun for me, that was a great creative outlet, that was something that brought me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. But could I possibly use this God to bring you glory? Mm-hmm. Like I, it was mind blowing to me that first time painting at the Moore House. And so, um, at the end of the night, as I was praying. God gave me the name restoration and that song bring restoration we played that a lot in the beginning days at the House because we all were feeling it and we're needing it and that song came on and it was just that was the word that was sticking to this and so as I was thinking about what to do with it it became really clear that I was supposed to give it to Candace. and so when I told her that I was gonna give her this painting, she just burst into tears and then was like laughing, giddy, like a child, like a little child getting the best Christmas gift you could ever imagine. And then she went on to share this story with us about how she had made this quilt and she thought it was garbage. And you know she spent all this time making it and cutting it up and shoving it into a drawer and never looked at it again mm-hmm. and thought, what a waste, you're no good at this. And to have God restoring her gifting and the things that she was about and so the funny thing was I ended up shipping that painting to her in Florida and it was hanging on her office in her home and her brother saw it and he goes is that your quilt in there? And he had no frame of reference for any of this and so when you think about how only God could have led me to choose those papers out of a huge pile that I have (laughs) at home that being my first experience and my first story of if you think I can't use this just wait.
0: Yeah, that's you know? amazing. I, I just, seeing the beginning of your story, childhood it becoming a hobby, mm-hmm. and then it sounded like God continued to cultivate that really as an emotional outlet, as a yep. safe space. But then what I'm hearing you say is it really went from this, oh this is about me and for me, to God, I'm loved and accepted and now this is a part of the way that I express you and in the world around me. Mm-hmm. And it became this um, you weren't the end goal. It right. became this pass through, you know, that God's given you this gift and he's going to use you and now you're starting to see, okay, my eyes are now lifted up that I'm I'm not focused on what is this going to do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, the vulnerability of of art and how it's a part of you and expresses a part of you. But how is this going to bless somebody else? And I've just, I think, you know, I've one, received that from you and it's been such a joy and a gift, but also I've seen the impact and the reflection of God minister to other people and I think you know this story captures it right it's like the first time you step out it's so like our father to say I'm going to orchestrate all this yeah. to one encourage you and say you're doing what I called you to do my daughter and then to bring healing to Candace, Candace, I love you if you're listening to this I can, I can picture her in that story I just hope you don't mind out. I've just
1: told your story
0: <laughs> but I think watching that has been so cool. Is there is there been, for you, um, any other pivotal moments where it's like, man, I'm getting to do this with God?
1: There have been many. Honestly, there was, well, however many times I've painted on these retreats, I can't count, but it's amazing how God leads who needs to receive it, mm. what it needs to be called, and I often do that very prayerfully. And sometimes I'll get a scripture that I attach to the back of it um, but what I can't know is what God's doing on the other end of where yeah, this is yeah. going to go. And to to have these experiences where I'm on a retreat participating in this with people I've just met and to have God say, this is the person, whether I've met them before or not is irrelevant because there's a moment in time where this is what they need in their healing journey. Mm-hmm. And God knows that. I don't know that. And then to have other people come up and share what the experience of even just watching the creation how that ministered to them, and how God can use color and texture and weave you know prayer and sort of release and healing in a creative process, like I just started to see this is a multi dimensional gift, right?
0: yeah, that's cool, and
1: I started thinking about what else I could do outside of the morehouse because my husband has a successful career, my kids are older. I'm loving getting involved in ministry, but if this could be a part of my ministry, Lord, like what could that look like? And he just started to show me that my heart for generosity was totally in line with my gift of creating beauty. Because if you go to my home, you'll see that every wall has a painting on it because I need to be surrounded by color. I love beauty. I have a, just a deep need for life-giving things around me, and in color does that for me personally, but when I think about the fact that you could change the atmosphere in a room mm-hmm. by hanging a painting somewhere, right, when you breathe color and life into a scheme, whether, you know, you have all neutrals in the room or whatever, how much that speaks to the energy in a room and how it can change the tone of what what kind of space do you want to create, I started to realize that there were no limits to what God could do, whether it ended up in church offices or church buildings or people's homes or apartments or um, ministry centers or whatever. And it's been amazing to just hold this loosely. And I think I, I struggled a lot with monetizing because I don't, I don't think any artist really loves self-marketing and self-promotion. Yeah. I still hate it to this day, and it's where I struggle the most. But when I started thinking about okay but even if i sell i can give the money away i think cindy was a great um champion in my early days of really getting over that because you know everybody values things at a different rate a different level and i think it's hard to put a number on something that is a piece of my heart and soul and when i'm really worshipfully going into creating and i think that's a big shift when i started doing it more at the morehouse it became a worshipful time for me. I started to realize this isn't just Laura time. This isn't just me time. This is God and me time. That's cool. This is co-creation happening. And I have so much more fun when I invite him into it. So honestly, my studio has become a much more sacred space than it ever was. Yeah. Or I ever intended it to be just because I would much rather have... His spirit there leading me as I'm creating, especially when it's with someone in mind, which it often is. Um, and so I think just having the encouragement of friends and family saying, you know, whether it's sold or whether it's given, there's really no price tag. There's really no way that you can say, this is where its value lies. It's yeah. really in the gift itself. And you have to leave, that's where you let it go. And you have to let God, you know, continue writing the story, which is amazing to me that He does.
0: Yeah, I think even listening to you, I hear you saying that you want to protect the purity of it. Like, yeah. there's this purity, there's this innocence in creating in this space with Jesus, and money, you know, gets these different voices attached to it, and so it get messy. I yeah. just it's fun that your community surrounding you in that too yeah. of like hey, this is this is really about Jesus still, mm-hmm. and this is how He's reflected in it. This is how He's brought glory in it. And I've watched, I mean, I know MC, Sharon Sampson, that you've gone and done these amazing art displays in their home. Artist that, in residence. Uh, <laughs> Artist in residence, where you've yeah. gone and literally put up 10 to 15 paintings in their mm-hmm. house. And it, to me, reflects you're creating a space that carries the presence of the Lord. And... Ultimately, you know, I think what you were saying with the with the money attached to that, it's like, but even in that, I want the generosity. I want it to be about generosity. Right. That he's our father. You're provided for. That you aren't trying to sell paintings to get rich. But it's this value essence of, man, let your friends come around you, even and say this artwork is amazing, and and yes, money can be weird, but there's a value to it that. Yeah people really should see. And I think that has been cool to see like, oh yeah, it is worth this. Not again, not for the sake of the money, but for the sake of it's what you're creating is valuable.
1: And it's been amazing to see how God has given me these little confidence boosts when I needed them because I kept surrendering that. I kept surrendering the yucky, icky part of this that was really bothering me. Because when you have someone who believes in you and you have good friends who are pumping you up and saying, you got to get out there. Your stuff is so saleable and people are going to want this. And then you're just thinking, oh, how do I even cross that bridge? You know, one story that I love to remember in my early days of really stepping into generosity, I had start open a giving fund so that I could have the money put into a fund and then it would go straight to charity. So I had made that commitment that if I sold any work, Mm. that I really wanted that to be my giving avenue. Because Mark and I were we thought we were generous. Like we thought we were living a pretty generous life. And I think, you know, looking back, we always had a heart for generosity, but we weren't living in a way that, was sacrificial at all, or that was what we would call radical giving, which we love to to do at this point. But it was my first step into, well, I don't need to wait for him, and I don't need his permission, and I don't need anybody telling me that I can't do this, right? So by setting up the giving fund and by saying, okay, Lord, if you want to lead me down this path where money's involved, I want to honor you in that too, and I want to have so a cool. safe way to channel it. And so the weekend that I opened my fund, I got an email from a woman who Cindy had brought over and, you know, I reluctantly let her into my studio. This was before I even really went public at the Morehouse. This was even predating that. She ended up emailing me saying, I had a dream and God told me to offer you money for this painting that I saw. I don't know if you've even finished it, but he told me to give you $10,000 for it. And he told me that you would know what to do with the money. Wow. And she goes, You're going to think I'm crazy. I know this sounds weird, and I just met you. And I wrote her back and I said, You have no idea what the timing of this means to me. I just opened a giving fund. So cool. And that money's going to be the first thing that goes in there. <laughs> so, right out of the gate, God dumped 10 grand for me to give away. That's amazing. And that was just. Things, I have stories like that that just keep happening over the last number of years where God just keeps saying, just trust me. Mm. When it starts to feel yucky, just hand it over to me. Just trust me that I'm going to lead you. And yeah, yeah. even being able to be a part of the Silvermine Art Guild, which is such an honor right now to be recognized as a professional artist, that was another huge validation of just God saying, I see you. Mm. I see you, and I care about what you're doing, and it's important. And people need what you bring to the world right and I think there is space for every creative Mm. person and to be in a community that's encouraging and supporting that has been also super life-giving so God has not failed to show up every time I have you know wobbled in my confidence or really wondered am I going down the right path Lord am I getting tempted by something that isn't your calling for me am I gonna sully the experience by going down this route he has just shown up every single time if I've just kept handing him this gift and It's just been incredible.
0: That's so cool. It's such a testimony to both the joy of stepping out and then his faithfulness in it and how we get to partner and, and work into our purpose. So, Laura, this has been amazing. It's so cool to capture just an inside look both to your purpose and your passion, but how... When it stands on identity, when it stands on "I'm enough in mm-hmm. the Father," then that's when it starts to be other-centered, and it's not trying. You're not trying to get something from it, right. but it becomes, you know, where I think purpose is meant to become. It's an outlet. Your gift becomes an outlet, not an inlet. And it's cool to watch the transformation as you have grown in your identity and and know that you're a loved daughter of God. That the art then is just a place that you get to go out and play and and move in and and bless people through so and i
1: think just to add one last thing i think that where the freedom has really come in considering that identity piece is realizing that i'm painting for an audience of one Mm. right and when you really step into your gifting and you really know what your purpose is and you believe it in your heart it doesn't matter what anybody else says it doesn't matter what the world thinks it doesn't matter who's lining up to validate you because god says i've made you Mm. and this is what you're called to do and this is who you are This is who you've always been. And so now just stepping into it more and more without the weight of, oh, what's everybody going to think? It is the most liberating space to be creating in. And I just, I want to encourage others who are finding their gifts and who are reclaiming the gifts they know they've had their whole lives. Because we all have them, whether it's music, writing, poetry, dance, painting, whatever it is. I think that we're created in the image of God who is the ultimate creator, Mm. right? And so just to be able to see people wake up, it's been so much fun to watch others step into their gifting as well. And I think your ministry um, has been a huge part of that for a lot of people.
0: Mm. It's been cool to watch people step into that. Yeah. So Laura, thank you for being on with us today. My pleasure. I'm excited for people to hear this because I think it will encourage them and give them even the, the opportunity to identify, oh wait, I could step out. and and begin to dream. So thank you for listening and everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this time with Laura. She's amazing. Uh, Excited to be with you next time.